So let's pick up in the book of James, chapter 2. We're, we've spent some weeks now in this, this idea of the enemies of prayer. We've been talking about one of the enemies of prayer is ignorance or not knowing what believing is. I remember being a student in Bible school and trying to work myself up into a frenzy of believing. It's a misunderstanding. Uh, the word believe is a verb. It's an action word, and it means to act upon the word, to take action upon the word of God. Believing is acting on the word, and faith is the result. See, when we hear the word, faith comes, and we take action on the word. It brings us victory. We get stronger. We don't get weaker. On the other side, if we hear the word and we refuse to take action on the word, our heart hardens, and people spend a whole life, a whole lifetime, developing a hard heart. And sadly, what happens is the Lord doesn't speak to them because there's no point in speaking to them because they're not taking action on what he's led them to do. And my personal thinking on that is a lot of this is just prejudices. Uh, how people were raised, who their moms and dads were, the, maybe the church they went to, and people develop prejudices. I thank God, I thank God, I thank God that when my mom needed a healing, she found Bethesda Missionary Temple in Detroit, Michigan. Now it's called Bethesda Christian Church. And uh, everything I have today, I'm not trying to diminish Sue's part, but everything I have today is because of that church that she took me to. And it built a strength into me. But if you go somewhere where they're not teaching healing, for example, or they're not teaching prosperity, or they're not teaching uh, victory, uh, it, you just get weaker, 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 weaker. And I don't know about you, but I don't, in these times, 2023, I don't need to get weaker. I, I need a word that makes me stronger. Amen? Amen. So we were asking the question in the last couple of Wednesdays, what is faith? James 2, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? And we live in a kind of a strange era now where people can make a lot of noise about faith and they don't have any evidence. But if you come along with some evidence, people get offended by it. And I was never like that. I was never like that. I remember once when Fred, one of the two times Fred Price spoke here, uh, Sue was doing something, had a commitment. So Christina and I took Fred and Betty Price over to the airport. And uh, so we pull up on the tarmac and, and Fred said, come on, come on in. And so Christine and I go up in this, uh, I think it was a G4. And I, man, you know, you have to be careful because, you know, you, you can, you, it can rub off on you. But anyway, so I, I, I reached my hand over there and just touched the mahogany. And he laughed at me and he, he said, now, brother, he said, I know what you're thinking. And he said, this is expensive. <laughs> but the point is, I, I didn't envy what he had. Does it, can you see that? Yes. What kind of person would be upset 
about a, a brother in the Lord achieving something in life. I don't understand this. You know, we, we should be for each other because I'll tell you one thing, the world's not for us. And the world, the world hates any believer. And uh, if you have not figured it out, you think you're in a special category because you're in the Christian category. If you have not figured it out yet, the real issue is the worshipers of the one true God. I read today about how they, these people put a Jewish baby in the oven when they invaded. And we underestimate the hate yes. the world has yes. for worshipers yes. of the one true God. Amen. So those folks, you know, they, they may not see it just like we see it, but they're worshiping the God of Abraham. And that's the God we're looking to. Can you see that? Yes. So don't underestimate evil. So I don't understand people being mad about God answering you. You know, when God answers you, I should be happy. Amen. And uh, if, God, if, if God blesses you with a great job, what kind of person would be upset about you getting a great job? You know, people act like girls, you know, girls in junior high school. They're all, they're all friends until one of them gets what? A boyfriend. And then the others are all mad about it. So tell your neighbor, don't act like a juvenile girl. <laughs> yeah, that's a happy moment, isn't it? No, we ought to be happy. You know, somebody gets a promotion, we ought to be happy for them. Somebody gets a car, we ought to be happy for them. Somebody gets a raise at work, we ought to be happy for them. We ought to be for our brothers and sisters in the Lord. So what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Well, that one sentence should prove to you that it's about action, that he, he's equating faith with deeds. Is he not? What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose our brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Now, I don't see how the language could be more clear. And yet, it just seems to go right past a lot of believers. Faith, say it out loud, faith, faith. By, itself, by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is, is, dead. is dead. And this thing on clothes and being well fed, I misunderstood, I think. I, 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 my initial conclusion was I told my family I, I, I was taught wrong, but I... I repent of that, and I think I misunderstood. And I won't say where I learned what I misunderstood. But I was back here behind the stage years ago, and I was reading the fasting chapter in Isaiah. And I said to Sue and Austin, I said, I was taught wrong. I think I misunderstood. 
because the person I'm thinking of wouldn't have been wrong. And uh, so that was on a Wednesday, that Friday. Two days later, we started sending weekly money to ministries that emphasize helping the poor. Now, see, that's not my assignment. And so somebody might say, well, why, why don't we do that? Well, that's not my assignment, and I'm not into that. And somebody could tell me their story, and I could get snookered because I'm, I'm not dealing with that all the time. Better to send that money to an organization, and that's their assignment, and they're dealing with it because the last thing we want to do is help somebody with their rent and find out later it went to drugs. So, so rather than, because we can't do everything. So rather than us try and get into that, we just send money to these ministries that help the poor. And we've been doing it every Friday since. Let me tell you what, uh, the Bible says, he, he who gives to the poor shall lack no good thing. And I'm telling you, we have lacked no good thing. My point is that you say you have faith, but do you have deeds? You say you have faith, but do you have action? Fa say it again. Faith by itself, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. This second chapter of James is unbelievably important. And this also explains why anybody who's into the hypergrace heresy, what do you mean hypergrace heresy? They actually teach that, well, it's what Paul called, they take the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and they make it a license. In other words, because I made Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior, well, I can go commit adultery, I can go rob a bank, I can do whatever I want because it's all under the blood of Jesus. And we don't have time to get into all of that tonight. This, this is a heresy that goes back to Marcion. It's ancient and it recycles. It comes around periodically. But common sense should tell you that that can't be right. I mean, where's the love for God? If, if I'm going to use the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the grace of Father God as a license to do whatever I want to do. So anybody who promotes that hates the book of James because of these verses, because it's all about action. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by what I do. Verse 19, you believe that there is one God. Good. Oh, I believe in God. Well, good. But even the demons believe that and shudder. So if you believe in God, you're at the demon level of faith. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Say it out loud. Faith without deeds, faith without deeds is, useless. is useless. Anybody here ever believe God for saving money? If you believe God with, for saving money, but you take no action, what good is it? Anybody here? Maybe, how about this? Don't raise your hand. Anybody here, anybody here ever believe God to lose weight? 
what good would believing God to lose weight do without taking action? Can you see that? But we, we go on these uh, snipe hunts, these rabbit chases all the time. I'm going to believe God for this. I'm going to believe God for that. And we deceive ourselves because he says, faith without deeds is useless. Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did? Oh, my goodness. He was, and, and doesn't that, and by the way, this is not in the Old Testament, this is in the New Testament, doesn't that fly in the face of what they're trying to hawk out here, that it doesn't matter what you do? It absolutely matters what you do. If you don't think it matters what you do, go home and your wife will explain it to you. It absolutely matters what you do. Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Verse 22, you see that his faith and his actions were working together. And this is where I came up with this idea that the power of faith is when all the forces of our life are lined up and moving in the same direction. What we believe, what we say, and what we do. Because here's what we do. We believe one thing, we say another thing, and we act like something else. And there's no power to it. So the power of faith is when we get all the forces of life lined up and moving in the same direction. And I get that here. You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. So let's go back to saving money or losing weight. I can believe God to help me save money. And the way I do it is I start saving money and then I believe God that he's going to bless all the work of my hands. I have got a lot of scripture on God blessing the work of my hands. So if I start, if I take action, I can believe God that he's blessing all the work of my hands. Same thing with losing weight. You know, if I decide I want to go down some more pounds, I can believe God that uh, he's blessing the work of my hands. And whether that's more exercise or uh, <laughs> eating more broccoli or whatever, you know what I'm saying? I can believe God that he's blessing all the work of my hands. What doesn't work is believing God and doing nothing. See, that doesn't work. You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. Say it out loud. His faith was made complete by what he did. Say it out loud. His faith and his actions were working together. So we don't want our faith and our actions working at cross purposes. We want them working together. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. Man, this, this is, can be in your face if you're into the uh, hyper-grace business. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. So I can believe God all day long, but I've got to take some action on it. Amen. And the best actions I know to take, first off, are to obey the written word of God and secondly, to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. Those are the best actions I can take. But as I have put on some decades, I have come to some baseline conclusions. Uh, <laughs> I was asked this week about somebody that is going through a health challenge. And they're at the end of their 
sick days and the idea came up to do something to help. <laughs> See, when I, when I was a younger man, maybe this was not my baseline. But now that I put on some time, this is my baseline. <laughs> it's always a good thing to show mercy. It's always a good thing to act in kindness. It's always a good thing to be merciful. It's always a good thing to uh, go the second mile. Amen. Amen. Because, see, well, how is that different than what you talked about earlier? Well, this is somebody known to us. This is a situation known to us. This is not somebody walks in the door and they say they don't have enough money for their rent this month. We don't know anything about that. We don't know if they're lying. We don't know if they're a drug addict. We don't know anything about that. On this other situation, the situation is known to us. God's people need to learn how to walk in kindness and mercy and grace and love. Sometimes I'll do something for someone and uh, there was a man here recently. I don't remember if that was after prayer or what, somebody that was not known to me and I could tell he was not 100%. And I said, would you, would you like for me to pray for you? And he said, yes. I prayed for him and I'm walking away. This happens now periodically. I'm walking away and the Lord says to me, Little acts of kindness. Little acts of kindness. Little acts of kindness. It doesn't cost us anything, does it? No. Little acts of kindness. To be a blessing. Amen. Amen. To say an encouraging word. Because I'm telling you what, there's all kinds of discouraging words out here. So how about an encouraging word? Amen. Amen. How about being a blessing? Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, you can be a blessing. You don't have to be a curse. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab the... Let me tell you what. Some of these folks that make a big deal about their faith are some of the unkindest people I've come across in my 50-year pilgrimage preaching the gospel. Faith is evidenced by the character traits of God. Who is God? He's forgiving. He's merciful. Merciful. He's gracious. He's kind. Can you see that? Amen. So if I'm really a person of faith, the character, character traits of God should be evidenced in my life. But, but I'm telling you, some of these people that make a big deal about how they have all this faith, they're some of the unkindest Christians I've ever come across. Don't be like that. Amen. And don't use what God has blessed you with to lord it over others. Amen. Jesus himself said that he came not to be served, but to serve. And that, that does not mean we're to be somebody's doormat. But we can be kind. We can be gracious. We can uh, go out of our way 
to be kind and gracious. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? Another principle, verse 26, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. How many of you, how many of you aspire to have dead faith? Nobody. No. But as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So whatever we're believing God for, you have to take action. And I went to the Lord a while about, back about healing. And why is it so much easier to believe God on money? He said, well, that's easy. You're taking action on that all the time, all the time. You know, tonight at the end of the service, there's going to be an opportunity to take action on money. So we're, we're, we're giving money to the Freedom Fund. We're giving money to the St. Paul Scholarship Fund. We're tithing. We're doing all this stuff. Well, those are all, those are all actions. And so in some areas, though, we're trying to believe God well, how are we taking action? We need, to take, we need to find ways to take action on what we say we are believing God for. The word believe is a verb. It's an action word. It means to act upon the word of God. So I don't need to try and believe the word. See, that was, that's where I was back in Bible school, and I think some people are there today. You know, I was trying to work myself up, and actually I was trying to work myself up into an emotional frenzy. It wasn't spiritual. It's not a spiritual activity. It was emotional. You know, trying to believe God. Now, <laughs> you're looking at me so sober. I, I don't know if you have never done that or if you've done it, you, you don't want anybody to know about it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, trying to believe God. Look, you do not have to try and believe God. That is some great news that I came down here to bring you tonight. You don't have to try and believe God. You don't have to try and believe the Word of God. All you got to do is act on it. Amen. Now, Satan will lead us astray if we'll let him in so many ways. And one of the ways that he leads us astray is this, that we have to understand it. We don't have to understand it. We don't have to understand it. I got all this stuff going on at my house. I don't understand any of it. You know, how can my phone talk to my gates? I, I don't know. Uh, all this stuff going on, I don't, I don't know how it works. You know how we know I don't know how it works? Because when something goes wrong, I call Austin or I call whoever. See? So I don't have to understand how it works to use it. But Satan gets people messed up with the idea that you have to understand it. Also, we don't have time to go there tonight, but Isaiah 55 says, the Lord says through Isaiah in 55, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways, as my ways are higher than the heavens, so are my thoughts higher than your ways, and, and, and my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your ways, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, making it bud and floor, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. There's so much we don't understand. I was probably in my 50s before I understood why rainwater makes everything greener than city water. I came across some good old boy Texan that told me that when the water comes down out of the clouds, it picks up nitrogen in the air along the way, 
well, I knew what nitrogen does, so automatic. Then instantly I knew, well, that's why rainwater makes everything greener than city water. So, but my point is, you don't understand a whole lot. But that doesn't mean you can't use it. You can't implement it. Right? But Satan will lie to you. In fact, you can sit here, let's say, for example, during a week of increase, and Satan's right there, and he's, he's saying to you, to you the, whole, the whole time, that don't make no sense, that don't make no sense, that don't make no sense. I don't understand that. Well, of course he doesn't understand it. He was in heaven and got thrown out. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to try and believe it. See, these, these are major revelations that will save you a whole lot of trouble. I don't have to understand it, and I don't have to work myself up to believe it. In fact, I don't even need to try and believe the Word of God. See, the Word of God is what it is, whether I believe it or not. David said, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. David said, all your words are true. Psalm 89, 34, God said, I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. And these basic, simple concepts is what our country and our culture have let go of, and hence the chaos tonight in every part of America. The word of God is the word of God. Amen. It cannot be changed. It cannot be abrogated. It, it, you can't negotiate with it. It's the word of God. So I don't try and believe it because it's true. I mean, do you, how many of you try and believe in gravity? Do you try and believe in gravity? No. Do you try and believe the sun's coming up tomorrow in the east? No. Do you try and believe that the earth is round? No. See, Satan gets us into useless activity that we have to, I have to believe it. I don't have to believe God. I don't have to believe the word of God. I just have to take action on it. Amen. I don't have to understand it. How can I understand? <laughs> it's almost arrogant to think that, I mean, we, we have some understanding. We have some light. But like the Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and the Apostle Paul said, we look through the glass dimly or darkly. I've always pictured looking through the bottom of a Coca-Cola bottle. The Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, said, we see through a glass darkly. So how are, how are we... How are, we, how, how are we supposed to believe? I mean, how are we supposed to understand what God has said? We, we, we can see some of it. But we're not going to apprehend or comprehend all of it. But Satan uses that against God's people because when they hear the word of God, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, they hear the word of God, Satan's sitting right there on their sh shoulder, it's not Satan himself, it's some you know, demon spirit, and he's saying, that don't make no sense, that don't make no sense, that's not the way you were taught, that's not what your wife says. <laughs> and it stops people in their tracks. So we don't have to believe that the word of God is true, we just need to act like it, Amen. that's it. 
We don't need to try, we don't have to try and believe it. We just need to accept it as fact. And there it is. See, and I know people would say, Pastor, that's old school, that's you know, that's old timey, whatever description you want to use, but it's true. Lester Summerall in, in our living room one night, he said, you know, he said, there's two basic ways to conduct ministry. He said, you can, he said, he said, life is like a cliff. And he said, one way you conduct, conduct ministry is you can set up a clinic at the bottom of the cliff. And after everybody's wrecked their lives and destroyed their lives and messed up their bodies and messed up their homes and messed up their marriages and messed up their children, you could set up a clinic at the bottom of the cliff and try and put people back together. And he stopped. And I said, what's the other way? He said, you can stand at the top of the cliff and, like a crazy man and say, don't go this way. And he said, I perceive that your ministry is the latter. I said, yeah, I think so. Okay, but my point is, people can spend a lifetime saying the word of God is not so. They can do seminars. They can get PhDs. They can go to conferences and hear that the word of God is not so. They can do all of that. They can spend 80 years doing that. But the moment they die, they come into the reality that the word of God is so. And there's no, there's no attorneys. There's no bail. There's no escape. There's no alternative. There's no protests going on. It is a reality that is eternal that cannot be escaped. The word of God is true. In fact, let's say it this way. The word of God is fact. Now, the word of God does not discuss everything. The word of God is basically, you start in Genesis, it is a, it is a history of God's plan of redemption. So, for example, it might mention a king of Syria here or a king of Egypt there. But that's not its purpose. Its purpose is not to be a history book. Its purpose is not to be a science book. Its purpose is not to be a physics book. And so if you go to the Bible looking for that stuff, you're going to be disappointed. It is a, it is a account of God's redemptive dealings with man. That's what it is. But everything there is true, everything in it is truly stated. It's probably better to say everything in it is truly stated because the Bible records lies. Somebody, uh, these false prophets in the Old Testament, for example, the Bible records what they said, even though what they said was a lie. So, the, so it's not that everything in there is true, it's that it is truly stated. Does that make sense? Yes. It's accurate. Yes. So when I go to the word of God, I, I, I don't want any of us to allow ourselves to be conned by the devil that I have to understand it all. I don't have to understand it all. 
or that I have to understand how it works. I sat here at one of our men's events this year and one of the biggest givers in the church sat there and told me that when he came to us back in the 80s, he, his net worth was minus, it was in the negatives. He, had, he, had, he not only had nothing, he had less than nothing because of the way, the way the banks had foreclosed on everything he had. And he walked into I-30 and he walked the aisle and he got saved and he heard me talk about tithing. He t heard me talk about giving. And he thought, well, you know, I don't have anything anyway. And it's easy to tithe when you don't have anything. And so he just started giving and, and then God began blessing and he came to the conclusion, this, this is stuff's works. And so he took action and now you fast forward all these years later, 30 years later, well, he's a big giver here. But he said this, he said, there's no way I could explain how it works. He said, I, he said what has happened is inexplicable. But he said, it's not me, so it has to be God. Can you see that? But you'd be hard-pressed to try and explain how all this happened. But it's God. So don't let the devil lie to you that you have to understand it or you have to have perfect understanding of it. We're seeking knowledge. But even Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, there's a message in one of the cars, and I just heard him say this, we know so little. And I think that's true. We know so little. Because God is a great big God. The, the, the expanse of knowledge about him would be inexhaustible. So we, we can learn what we can learn, and we're constantly studying and reading the Word of God. But I don't have to understand everything about it to take action. You know those scriptures like, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. It doesn't say uh, fully understand God. It doesn't say uh, fully comprehend God. When you fully comprehend God, then all this cool stuff will happen. That's not what it says. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. So it's a lie. And Satan gets people paralyzed because... He gets them convinced that they have to understand it all. Or he gets them convinced that they can't understand it all. Or he gets them convinced that it won't work until they understand it all. So we don't even try and believe it. We just accept it as fact. Then we take action on it because it's true. God said it. And what God says is, that's it. Think how far our society has gone off the rails denying what God has said. Amen. How about this? Male and female created he them. Mm -hmm. I mean, our society's off the rails because, and have you noticed that everything that they are preaching is anti-Bible? It's contrary to the word of God. And it incapacitates people. They can't have a normal life. If you, uh, so you don't even have to try and believe it. And don't condemn yourself because you don't believe. Oh, I've, I've had people, you know, in the prayer line, 
You know, pastor, uh, because of that one account in the Gospels, uh, Jesus said, do you believe? And they said, you know, help my unbelief. And I've had people approach it that way in a prayer line. You, you don't need to try and believe it. You just need to take action on it. Amen. But learn to act on his word like you'd act on somebody else's word. Really, we ought to be embarrassed about this. If you went to the doctor and you had a problem and the doctor said, well, you got X, Y, Z and you need this prescription and he gave you a piece of paper and you, you, would, you would immediately leave there, go to a pharmacy, hand them the piece of paper, they call it in now, and uh, you'd pick up the prescription, and would you look at it? Would you put it on the shelf? No, no. What would you do? You would take action, and you would take the prescription. If a banker called you tomorrow and said your checking account is overdrawn, uh, what would you do? Would you wait a week before you did something, or would you instantly take action to move a few dollars from your savings account to your checking account to cover the overdraft? In my own life, I had a banker say uh, we were good to go on a building project. And then that banker's boss's boss nixed it because they didn't like preachers. But if a banker says that you're pre-approved, you're approved up to whatever, what do you do? What do you do? Do you wait a month before you start looking at houses? No, no, man. I mean, you don't let any grass grow under your feet. You take action immediately and you begin looking at everything in your price range based on what some sinner said. Am I right? But when it comes to God, when it comes to the ancient of days, when it comes to almighty God, we got to have us a sign. Prove it to, pastor, prove it to me. <laughs> How do I know it's true? These are almost dangerous questions. So we need to learn how to take action on what God has said at least as diligently as we take action on the words of men. Now, I'm going to get into something and we'll have to quit pretty quick, but I want to lay a couple of thoughts in your mind before we finish up. Let me ask you a question. How is Psalm 105, 37 possible? You know what another hindrance to faith is and another hindrance to answered prayer is? Not walking in love. And this is what we're going to get into next Wednesday night. How is Psalm 105, 37 possible? He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Now, imagine that. We know how many men there were, able-bodied men, because they did a census. So we're talking about between 2 and 3 million people. How could there not be any feeble or sick or sickly people among them? How is that even possible? And how about Deuteronomy 29, verse 5? During the 40 years that I led you through the desert, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. How is that possible? How could they walk around 40 years and their sandals not wear out? How could they, how could they spend 40 years in that desert and nobody feeble among them? And the answer lies in the Israelites' covenant of healing with God. In that covenant, the Lord said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. So look at uh, Exodus 15, 26. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, well, that's a problem right there. If I had a dollar for every time I heard somebody say, I don't want to hear it, I'd have a lot of dollars. 
But he says, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do, oh my goodness, we're back to action. And do what is right in his eyes. People do what's easy. And every decision you make in life, if you can discipline yourself to one idea, your life would improve immediately and permanently. And that is this. When you make a decision, the easy course of action is almost inevitably the wrong thing to do. And if you do what's easy today, you have made your tomorrow harder. And if you do what's hard today, you have made your tomorrow easier. But people do what's easy. They do what's easy. And do what is right in his eyes. So he doesn't say do what's easy. Do what's right in his eyes. If you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees. See, these are, these are problems. I mean, it's, it's chock full of problems. Keep, keep all of his decrees, not the ones you like, not the ones that are popular, not the ones that uh, don't conflict with the culture. Keep all of his decrees. I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord, Jehovah Rapha, who heals you. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little cheat sheet, tell you where I'm headed. You need to hear this next Wednesday because in the New Testament, we have been given one law. John 13, 34, and 35, a new command I give you, love one another. That's the command. There's, there's, the two greatest commands, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your might, with all your soul, and the second is like unto it, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Stated another way in Luke 6, 31, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We'll get into this next Wednesday, but we could paraphrase Exodus 15, 26 this way. And I'm going to quit here, and we'll pick up on it next Wednesday. If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his new commandment, his royal law of love, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And I thank my brothers and my sisters in the Lord if we could simply learn how to walk in love we could eliminate a lot of trouble out of our lives. I think we opened doors and we're not even sure how we did it. You've heard me say, and I've, every time it comes out of my mouth, I, I wonder about it. But I read it just the other day, the first faith book Kenneth Hagin ever got. Because you understand, when, when, he, uh, when he was dying on his bed of affliction when he was 17 years old and he, he uh, got healed, uh, he was a Baptist. And he spent the early years of his life uh, preaching in Baptist churches and pastoring a Baptist church. Newsom, what was her first name? 
the life of faith. But that was the first book, first faith book he ever read in his entire life. And in that book, I read it just last week, she says that it is much easier to run the devil, to, to keep the devil out than it is to let him set up shop and to try and run him out. And you've heard me say something similar to that often. And every time I say it, I, I wonder, am I just going by my own experience? Well, there it was confirmed by her experience in the ministry and her personal life. So job number one is don't open doors. And we, we know, okay, I shouldn't be going, you know, honky-tonk, and then I don't want to open that door, and, you know, I sure don't want to take fentanyl and heroin. I don't want to open that door. But how about not walking in love? I gave you this illustration two months ago. If a man repays evil for good, evil will never leave his house. But I see it happening all the time. And people don't even understand what they're doing. They are opening the door and saying, Satan, come on in and wreck us. So, and I'm coming to this place <laughs> now that I'm, you know, getting up there. I, 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 I say to myself, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't even want to entertain thoughts about it. Because I want to, go overboard walking in love because this is the commandment of the new covenant that you love one another. And of course, it's a problem because people want to use this and abuse this. So, you know, I try and thread the needle. Not everybody's a contact on my phone, you know, because I, I, I can't deal with it. I, I can't deal with the abuse. I just can't cope with it. So there's nothing that I have found anywhere in the Bible says I have to fellowship with everybody. Amen. So, but we want to be kind. We want to be gracious. We want to show mercy. Amen. That doesn't cost us much. And when we do that, we're error on the side of the angels. Now, I'm not talking about letting people dump in your ear, tell you all kinds of horrible stuff. We, there's nowhere in the Bible that I know of that we have to listen to everybody. In fact, Jesus said, be careful how you listen. Amen. So maybe block them. And send them some flowers. Find a way to find a way to be kind and gracious and merciful, Amen. And not listen to them, Amen. Because people have a way of really wrecking you. They can wreck you quick, Amen. Be a blessing, Amen. And don't get used. It's a threading of the needle, isn't it? Amen. But I know this. Our Lord and Savior hung on that cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I find myself praying that sometimes now. I say, Father, forgive them. They, don't, they have no idea what they're doing because if they knew what they were doing, they wouldn't do it. 
Amen? But now I don't get on the phone with them, and I don't Facebook with them, and I don't email them. Amen? I just, I just say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Amen? But that doesn't mean I need to, like, go on a camping trip with them or something. Amen. 